This episode of the Asians Represent podcast is brought to you by our amazing Patreon supporters and subscribers on Twitch. Uh, thanks to their support, we're able to take all of this extra audio from the past season of the Asians Represent podcast, so that's episodes 35 to 45, and return them to our public podcast feed. Moving forward in 2022, thanks to their support, we'll be able to do monthly drops of Asians Represent episodes onto this feed. We're super excited. Now, if you are a patron of the podcast, don't worry. Our extended feed will continue, and our behind-the-scenes look at Dungeons & Asians, no dice, no problem, will still be a Patreon exclusive. That said, we are so excited for everyone to be able to access this episode in audio format. Uh, it's been quite a journey and quite a transformation of Asians Represent. We are constantly evolving, and we are so glad that our community is growing and here for this journey with us. That said, let's get to the episode. Let's let's talk a little bit about our guests. You know, Aizen and, and, and Johnny. Is before we get into it, is there anything that you want to plug? Uh, anything you got going on? I mean Johnny, I'll say, like, talk about the game you're working on a translation for. Well, see, I say that selfishly because I'm hoping that you'll be like, it's ready tomorrow. And then it'll be like, podcast over, pre-download, bye. So that game is in early access still. They've planned, I think, like, the dev team has told us there's going to be, like, three years of content. Uh, two years already out. The first year is largely already translated. So if you want to play until, like, the end of the first year, you can. And then the second year, like probably near like the second half, is when the translation team hasn't gotten to it, and probably some of the side quests. It's just gonna read like machine translate. So if you want to get it and just like play through just the first year, um, that's definitely doable. And, and for the audience, what game is this? It's called Path of Usha, and if you think of it, it's a visual novel style like Persona crossed with like. Fire Emblem. So the combat is tactic style, but like you do it through uh, actions that move through a certain amount of time. So most of the time you're like in a school and you're like picking what training lessons you want and things like that. And then you make friends and you can like gift your friends things and that can trigger certain events and then you can go hang out with them. And then at a certain level, you can then do like level up the relationship, which then sends you on another like mini side quest. And the game is designed so that you can't do everyone all at the same time. So you have to do multiple playthroughs. And that's also good because there's also different weapon types and different fighting styles. And you can be like, I'm going to do a sword user. I'm going to like use, you know, I'm going to kick people. I'm going to use like a pole arm. And there's a fan too. So if you want to like be like a fan user, you know, Definitely I didn't anything. know that there was English stuff already available. I'm hyped. <laughs> yeah, I can drop I'm you hyped. the uh, the team's Discord link. There's like instructions on how to download the mod and everything. It should just be pretty easy. You just drop it in because all oh, we're yeah. doing is replacing the text strings. Oh, hell yeah. I'm totally down. Like, yeah, send me that after. And we could put all, like, if you um, send me that stuff and we can actually put it in the, the show notes. So if people are interested in cool. trying Path of Wuxia and yeah. they don't speak Chinese or read Chinese, they could play through the first year worth of content. Yeah, it's really oh, fun. So hyped. Uh, Isaac, do you have anything that you wanted to share before we get into this? Uh, not really. I just joined uh, this very cool server, uh, this cool uh, channel called uh, Asians Represent for around 12, year, uh, 12 months. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's pretty much it. <laughs> 12 years of Asians Represent. Hey, I mean, it certainly felt like it. 
you know what? That's 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 a really good point. Yeah. I I feel like I feel like we've been doing this for a while. And it's really in terms of the Twitch thing, it's it's only been like a year and a half, Steve? Year and a half, something like that. I guess yeah, it would March, be like March 2020. March. Yeah. Almost a year and a half. We're we're getting to almost a year and a half and that that's wild. Um but that said, you know, we're we're here to talk about face and reputation. It's a really complicated thing. And the, the reason why we kind of decided to finally do it is because when we were reading Caratour, the concept of face came up. And so if you folks are interested uh, on our Caratour stream, which actually returns tomorrow, um, but on episode eight of uh, Caratour, um, it's called Fantasy Nationalism and Honor in Sholung. That was the episode. You can find it on our YouTube channel. Uh, on page 14 of Character of the Eastern Realms, the campaign setting, uh, in the honor of the show section, which is which equates to the honor of Chinese people section of this fantasy setting, it said, the show are a very honorable race of mankind. They have great pride in their ancestors, their emperor, and their own good names. These they will defend with all their power, for to lose face is to lose everything. And I thought that was really interesting because this was the first time in a TTRPG, like written by like non-Asian people, that I saw like the concept of face being brought up in direct association with honor. Mm. And I think this is a really interesting topic to kind of deconstruct because as Steve brought up when we were planning this episode, you know, honor does appear in fifth edition D and D. And it's specifically said, I guess, when we get to the D and D conversation, it's specifically associated with Asian cultures. And, you know, with show being something that's on our mind right now, I think it's worthwhile to talk about the Chinese concept of face. Um, so, uh, I know like, uh, you know, Agatha, Eisen, Johnny, and myself have a lot of experience with like face, right? But Steve, you mentioned, you know, like this is not something you have a lot of experience with. So I'd like, I'd love to know, like, you know, in planning for this and of course, in your own like personal and professional life, you know, have you encountered like face before? What are your impressions of it? Yeah, I think for me, even the the idea, like the word face doesn't really resonate anything with how I grew up in like a Vietnamese household growing up in Canada. Um, honor, I think, was probably more common to hear, but it was always kind of like in a jokey, like pseudo racist, which makes it racist kind of way. What I would hear more often is just kind of like maybe not the word etiquette, but something like that, as well as just general expectations. So like. I would be told to act and like do certain things um, because that's what you have to do. Um, and I have this hypothesis that as we go through these conversations, some things that I hear from all of your experiences, I'll be able to like, oh yeah, I remember that. And I was told growing up that you just have to do that. Um, so there will definitely be certain things like that. There are also preparing for this episode, things in my family that have happened where we have uh, without going into too many details, people have done things that were clearly unacceptable and the way my family reacted to it, which I actually completely disagree with from a personal standpoint, but the way my family in general gathered around this idea that X happened, therefore we do Y, 
I feel like there are going to be some stories that will resonate there. And I'm very curious to see what words you use to kind of navigate that because I have never had words to navigate it. It has always been like feelings and like looks, but never like spoken about. So this is, this is great for me. Yeah. I mean, for up until recently, I didn't know the words associated with these things until I was doing research for a TTRPG project. So for, for those who are, you know, or watching us or listening um, or, you know, watching on YouTube, um, you might know the phrase losing face. I, I said it earlier when we were talking about Karatur and I was doing some research about, you know, Chinese face and what that means. And I didn't know that losing face was a phrase that was introduced to the West from China. And I didn't know that it had its roots in, you know, American missionaries. And the first time, like, the idea of face was um, basically brought to Western attention was in 1894 in this book, um, controversial from certain, certain perspectives, called uh, literally a book called Chinese Characteristics. Um, and Chinese, <laughs> I know, I said, Chinese Characteristics was actually written by a missionary named Arthur Henderson Smith, who lived in China for 54 years. He lived in China for 54 years. Almost his entire life was spent in China as part of the American Board of Commissioners for Foreign Missions. And he wrote a book basically describing Chinese culture. And for anyone who knows Chinese history, the end of the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century was revolutionary. I say that literally. I didn't even mean, no pun intended. It was literally revolutionary. And at the time, you know, there was a lot of controversy with how Chinese from Asian people on how they were portrayed. Some folks were like, this is very accurate. And some folks were like, this undermines the national identity of China. And it was a very controversial book, but in it, he talks about this concept of Mianzi or face. And the world was basically like, whoa, Chinese people treat each other and themselves very differently. And so in it, he basically outlined face as this like thing that Chinese people have. And it is kind of like a reflection, a positive reflection of yourself. It's like your social status, your power, and your reputation. It's like a really interesting concept that a lot of people have taken into TTRPGs and almost exclusively like Western TTRPGs and have just called honor. And as you dig deeper and deeper into this concept of face, you learn that it's really so much more. Um, and, and what I'd love to do is kind of start with like our guests who like do translation work and, you know, kind of you see firsthand the, the challenges of this. When it comes to something like face and it comes to this like idea of honor, how do you basically, is it possible to even reduce something like face in your own personal experience or professional experience? Is it possible to reduce the nuances of it into something like reputation or like respect? What do you think? It's a tough question. And I, ex I extend this to you too, Agatha and Steve, if, if you have like 
an idea. But it's a tough question. I'm curious, uh, Johnny, how would you define it? Like if if someone was like, I don't know what Mianzi is. So I, I mentioned this to you like earlier. It's like it's the last egg of Confucianism that was laid, right? Um, a concept in Confucianism is li or ritual, right? Uh, something that you're supposed to do, right? Like Steve had mentioned before, like, you don't know why you, you do it. You were just told to do it. And that is part of the social structure. And I think face is attached to these social rituals that we do. Because if you don't do it, you kind of lose face in a sense, right? Like if you don't have that mannerism, it looks bad upon you. And I guess one way I was thinking about this is um, one way that face actually kind of works is like a social soft currency. Because if you think about the language that rotates around face, it's buy, sell, give, right? In Chinese, we have mai mianzi, mai mianzi, right? I'll sell you this face. Like, all right, you know, in, in a lot of like wuxia dramas, there'll be like an argument. And then in order to avoid a fight, someone will say, all right, I'll buy your face, right? I'll give you this, I'll give you this face and then we'll leave. That kind of deal. So it's kind of this like social currency that doesn't actually get exchanged, but it's a form of like a soft power, if I can use that phrase. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when 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 I was first asked this question by by Daniel, uh, how do you how do you explain face? Uh, if you, if you can extract face into one word or one expression, my my first instinct was actually just say PR. But then uh, because 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 face is because what a lot of uh, having um, have, having a lot of face is 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 actually uh, having a positive PR. Um, a lot of time um and and then i realized a lot of time it's actually uh more than that so boiling it down to pr it doesn't work either because as johnny just mentioned face can be um verbally traded it's it's not a currency it's not something you hold uh, and, and it's not something that you can look up how much face i have it's this high but no, uh, it's it's basically uh, something nebulous that, that that is attached to you. Uh, you wouldn't when, when you lose face. Um, one potential negative uh, repercussion would be you lose out on reputation. But it's not it, one; it might not hit you immediately, and two, it might not spread uh, too widely. But on the other hand, everybody still. A voice doing that because uh, circling back to Johnny, what Johnny said, uh, Confucianism is really heavy on the rituals that we perform every single day, and uh, not giving someone face or losing face in general is can be considered a um, consequence of breaking the rituals you are supposed to go through. Yeah, would you say that? You know, I mean. It's interesting because when, you know, the majority of our audience is like North America and Europe, mm -hmm. where, you know, society there is very different from like the collectivist society in like China. Do you, do you think that like China's like social structure in and of itself has a, a big impact on how face is even like generated? Yeah, the way that I think about uh, face is I remember talking about this 
this whole thing um, actually with Lowell, Lowell Francis, who mm-hmm. um, wrote Hearts of Wolverine when it was still kind of like in like the playtesting developmental stage. And then being like, uh, yeah, I, I used the word reputation. And then I really like the idea of social currency mm-hmm. or soft currency. I feel like the concept of face is that it's always in flux. Like you, and this kind of ties into Eisen, uh, what you said about how you can't really measure it or you can't, it's not tangible. Uh, yeah, but it's not like you have a si- score. So like, but uh, so like a lot of times, like situations would arise where it's like, it feels very precarious where you can either gain more or you can lose some, right? It's never like I am at like a state of like, that's not a thing. Like you can only, it's always an exchange. So I feel like it's basically like a way that people conceptualize um, reputation and power and obligation, but it's all covered under this kind of mm-hmm. this phrase. This phrase. Can I can I interject with like two example situations that I think people can relate to? So like the first one, like you have relatives come over, right? You're in your room, you're doing your own thing. What's the first thing your parents tell you to do? Go outside and say hi. Fuck right. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is like part of the ritual which is showing your face to someone else, right? And if you don't do it, your parents are probably going to feel like they lost face because you didn't do the thing you were supposed to do. Yeah, right? and they didn't. Yeah. Damn. They, Another like, example is like... not disciplined. Right? Know? Like, so they're not bad. good enough at disciplining you. Right? So, and like, the, the what was the Confucian phrase? Uh, um, like, if the son makes a mistake, it's, it reflects badly on the father or whatever, right? So that's one example that I think a lot of us can relate to. Um, another form of this that I can take in a social or business setting is if someone invites you to a work event or to a work party, right? Mm -hmm. We have this phrase in Mandarin that's like, gift me your face or show me your face. So if you don't do it, that person might remember that you didn't show your face to to the party that he invited you to. And that might have an effect, like Eisen said, a little bit later down the road that he might, like the person who invited you might not be happy with it and do something else later. Mm But like you have to show your face if someone like higher up or someone like it's just like what you're supposed to do, I guess. Yeah. A big that... example in my family was like, oh, tell them about how well you did in school. Oh, my God. So I think I think everybody just like, oh, right. Right in the heart. Um, but that's a big one. Yeah, I think. And also like the give the, the whole thing about like um, selling someone means or like giving someone means is like it's not. It's not that. Hmm. How do you? Exchange. Sorry. So, no, is, is is it more a? It's not an. Ex, it's not really an exchange. Uh, if yeah. I give you means, I'm not losing mine. Yes. It's just so, so you, it, you're, you're gaining. It's it that, might be. It's it that might be I'm showing it. you. Uh, I'm showing you respect. Mm-hmm. Is how I would directly translate that sort of experience. It's that I show. I'm showing you that like I. That, that I there is enough respect for you that I am showing up mm-hmm. to this event. What do you think, Johnny? You, you look thoughtful. I think that I, I think it depends on how it's used, right? Like you can say, okay, I'll give you this face, but if you give it like reluctantly, right? That then might it's like not you be, owe me, right? Yeah, that's like okay, I'll do you this favor. So so yeah. here's where here's where I might interject and provide some more context to the audience. So 
when I was preparing for this and doing some research, um, I learned of two other concepts that are associated with Mianzi. And the first one is Guanxi. And it is a, a term that it basically refers to like relationships that are rooted in like kind of like unwritten reciprocity and trust and equity. And that's kind of this thing that we're talking about. And Guanxi is basically maintained through something called Renqing, which is like uh, favor exchanges. So it's like being like, oh, I'll help you out, but you're never going to ask for anything back. Right. It's like, oh, I'll help you out. Oh, do you need money? Right. Or, oh, I'll pay the bill. That's a really common one that people understand. Like, oh, I'll pay the bill. And so what you do is you literally cultivate informal indebtedness and obligation. And it's basically this triad of like face, guanxi, and then wrenching is kind of like the thing that connects all of them together. And it makes everything so complicated. Like I have, I have a, a, an example of all of this. So um, when I was uh, in grad school and working in China as an archaeologist, I would say that like 80% of my time in China was not spent doing anything remotely academic. Mm-hmm. And I would say that and this is, this is my awake time, not even my sleeping time. I would say that the, most of the time I was in China, I was there to make connections, to do this sort of wrenching and get these sort of rela- these guanxi relationships. I was there eating dinner with politicians, spending time with people, speaking at universities to audiences that had no, one, no idea what I was saying in English, right? But just being there, right? And garnering my reputation. And I have a really key example of this. And we were in this small town in Zhejiang province. I don't even remember what it was called, but we were sitting at a table with a, the mayor of this small town. And we had already received permission from like the government of Zhejiang to dig all, all in all of these small towns. But we still had to eat dinner with this mayor. And it was at this restaurant and we had the entire, the entire second floor of this restaurant. I remember it so vividly because my back was to the window. I was sweating buckets and the mayor was sitting across from me and they bring in this dish and I was looking at it and I was like, I don't know what the fuck this is. Like, I just couldn't tell what it was. And one of my colleagues who is, um, who's Thai was sitting next to me and uh, our one colleague, her name is Panyan. So if you if you know the name from Dungeons and Asians, Panyan was sitting next to me, and they brought it in, and it was clearly some sort of meat dish, and it had like lots of chilies and garlic, and I was like, damn, that smells good. So I grabbed a big piece of it. Our colleague, my colleague next to me, was like, oh, that's definitely chicken gizzard, and I'm like, the pieces of meat are like this this big. They're like they're like fits in the palm of my hand. Like what kind of what kind of chicken are you talking about? I'm like I'm pretty sure this is a chicken gizzard, and I'm like I don't know what this is, but I just grabbed a really big piece. And the two other white professors, uh, my two supervisors, Dave and Gary, were on like um, either side, and they kind of look at me, and I'm I'm talking to our colleague Joe, and I'm just like, yo, this that's not chicken, and they're both like, what's going on? 
So I turned to Panyan and I was like, Panyan goes by her English name, Irene. And I was like, yo, Irene, what is this? And Irene's just like really, she's, she's a tiny, tiny woman from Shanghai. And she's like, she covers her mouth and she's like really embarrassed. And I'm like, what am I, what did I just, and she's, she turns and she's like, Daniel, it's ox penis. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so I turned to Joe and I'm like, definitely not chicken gizzard. And I look across from me and their mayor is just like big old thumbs up at me. Nice. And I'm yeah. like, this is the moment where I can gain face. And I eat it. Yeah, you it do. tasted great. It was great. It was great. Texture was a little, little, little different, but I ate it. And in that moment, I gained the respect of that mayor and my supervisor told me afterwards, he was like, Daniel, when you ate that penis, you, you, you saved our reputation in this town. And I was like, I'm a hero. For sure. And I gained face that day. And it was this, you know, this informal sort of scenario of sharing a meal and respecting this person where our entire team was able to collectively gain face. Uh, amusingly, I think the person who gained the most face was the mayor. Oh, yes. 100%. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because think... we're foreigners who have come and shared a meal with them, and we're bringing prestige because Zhejiang officials are traveling with us to this small town. Mm -hmm. I think the big thing is you ate something that was probably a famous dish of theirs yes. that they prepped specially for you. And if you didn't eat it, or if like, most people didn't eat it, the mayor would have lost face, right? Yeah. So they're they're both happy about that exchange. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, so I I do want to clarify that in this situation it's not it's not you that gained. Well, not, I guess you probably yes, did. I, I, like well, they, here's the thing. I gained face. You. I gained face with my colleagues too who are like, "Damn, Daniel. <laughs> that guy eats anything," which is true. Yeah. Um th this But scenario... maybe your team I don't know if your team necessarily did, but you definitely yeah, you gave the mayor. But as a, as a representative, but here's the thing: as a representative of this team, hmm. I feel like our team like informally got face. I got tons of face because I was then given permission to come back to China on my own without the rest of the team to represent them and do work. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah and this nice. is that, that makes sense. And this is the thing that is, um, I think that a lot of people always want to emphasize. Uh, people who are trying to explain this to a Western audience or reader, listener, is that the, I all of this idea of like quote unquote honor, the, the whole like means system, it has tangible repercussions, um, either positive oh, yeah. or negative. So it's like oh, yeah. it's not just like. Oh, like in the character where it's like, oh, we're very honorable race and we're very proud of what this or that is. It's, and that's why we like care about like acting a certain way or um, making sure that certain dues are made, but it's or are met. It's because these things will affect our lives and the lives of our relatives, our of our friends, of our colleagues um, and like our own careers, perhaps like th it's. That's why people really care about it. And everyone is buying into the system. So you have to do it too. I mean, to more or lesser extents, there are, of course, exceptions. Yeah, I just realized uh, one thing that makes makes it um, complicated with, with, with when it comes to Mianzi is that um, it's a lot more long-term. You don't really benefit from gaining face 
uh, in short term. Usually, usually the uh, the benefit or uh, the negatives that you uh, you meet uh, when when you lose or when you gain or lose face tends to be trickled down through throughout your future. Um, it's affecting future perception rather than in, well, it does affect immediate immediate perception of you, but it's more about uh, molding future perception of you. And and not even like you per se, but mm-hmm. like people who are close to you or that you represent. Yeah. To, to Daniel's story, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This yeah, this I is mean... like this is like blowing my mind because you know these stories really connect with things I've seen. We as like Asian represent. That story Daniel you told, we actually told almost the exact same story in Dungeons and Asians, where I don't even remember. But when we were playing, spicy food, uh, oh, yeah. not the spicy food. Actually, with the episode with Kian and the in the Empress. Oh Do you yeah. How one of the chancellors, uh, minister, sorry, uh, ordered a very specific dish that was yes. very hard to come by, and then didn't finish it and just threw it away. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Right. That was a good episode. That was a very. And I realize now that all of us when that happened we were all like hold your brain like that's like a wild thing but some people might not realize just like the impact that would have that you order something special and then just like you know what i'm not gonna finish it's a flex this. it's a flex yeah. here's the thing here's an interesting thing with face and i i did some when i was doing my more research and like i'd love to like agatha like eisen and and johnny i'd love to hear your take on this um because I don't even know if my idea of it is 100% correct. One of the things is like talking about being perceived seriously. Like what about like self-deprecating humor? Cause you know, when like, you know, when I'm, you know, people who we kind of like idolize in the West, like Hollywood stars and you look at people and they're like, Oh, they're so humble. They're like self-deprecating and all that. Right. And you're like, oh, I respect them even more because they're, you know, they're confident in, in themselves. Does that work in the case of Manzu? And I, I don't actually know the answer. And I, I'm not saying this as like, I know the answer. I'm, I'm genuinely like curious, like what a, is there an unwritten rule about this? Because all of my lived experience with this self-deprecation has never resulted in face gain. And I don't know if that's like a, like a an actual unwritten rule or that's just a pattern in my own life mm, i think it's less of so so for for the chinese culture i think it's less of a self-deprecation um self-deprecation it's not to sell yourself to what's the opposite of selling yourself short sell yourself short too long tell yourself not to boast yourself. about yourself too much not, not to boast yeah for sure uh not being boastful um the correct Basically, um, outwardly, you basically self-assess or you declare yourself to be roughly 80% of, or not, not, a, not a, a solid number. You basically declare yourself to be uh, slightly under uh, of your, your whole capability, right? Say, yeah. Right. So that's like self basically saying like, that's giving myself face loss as a joke. I well, it, I guess that. like the actual ramification is not that you would reflection. lose it because everyone does that. So mm-hmm. no one would yeah. actually think of it as you losing face if you say that. I want to say we just default to deflection of the yes. compliment. Yes. Yeah. That's the default defense against, if, if, if I were to call it like a defense or the default response is that you, 
you're expected to not accept the compliment in some way, mm-hmm. shape, or form. Um, I don't. It's like it's you like, don't want to accept the compliment, but you want the compliment to actually have been said. Yes, and it's. I feel like this is definitely tracing its roots back to like the whole like Confucianism, right? Confucianism, where it's like the idea of, uh, like qian, like mm-hmm. that yeah. kind of qian, which is like being humble. Um, mm-hmm. That's very important in terms of like. I mean, there are also again there are some people who do not subscribe to that, but like it is still a general societal thing. Like I remember now, I can also have an anecdote, which is like. The more, like, cause I, my, I immigrated with my mom and my sister um, when I was in grade four, and first of all, it was super weird for me at first when people would just say like when, when I tell someone like, oh, you're so good at drawing, they'll be like, yeah, I am, and I'd be like, wow, that's like really that. rude, <laughs> but <okay. laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say that, but I would think that. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, You're not supposed then, to do that. Like, yeah, people just accept compliments. And then I was like, that's so weird. And then I became that person uh, after years of like growing up in Canada. Oh, my gosh. And I remember like whenever I went back to Taiwan, specifically to visit my uh, relatives um, with my family. And then it's like one of my cousins is ar- around my age. So then we hang out a lot. And then I would be, you know, I would just be like, wow, you're so good at this or that. She was actually very good at drawing. Um, and then and then she she would always, like, deflect. And then, like, in a way that I was like, why are you, why can't you just accept a compliment? <laughs> like, I, I felt frustrated. And then I think I talked to my sister about it. And then we were like, oh, yeah, it's the cultural difference. And then we also, like, came to the conclusion that we don't know how to do that. And then it became a thing where every time I was, like, talking to my relatives, I was always, like, really nervous because i was scared that i was gonna do something or say something wrong and i don't exactly know what the rules are anymore because i haven't been like in that kind of system for so long that i'm always like like oh they're saying they're they're offering to buy me something should i say yes or should i say no is saying yes rude or is saying no rude and then it's always like and it's it gets worse the, the older you get because you're supposed to know that already um but i still don't know so i think this is I mean, this is like kind of straying from the like, should you be self-deprecating? But I think that deflection thing is definitely a part of the culture. Well, there's a really good example of that in that movie, Crazy Rich Asians, because Crazy Rich Asians is all about face because she he he would when they're flying over to Singapore and he's like, yeah, I guess my parents are well off. Right, exactly. Like being super humble, but then when they get there, there's the whole the the mahjong thing, and like much of that plot is about face. Um, sorry, Steve, you were also going to say something. No, I'm I'm just nodding along. All this is like super resonating. We could do an entire episode on Crazy Rich Asians and just like the subtle things that happen there. Uh, I especially <laughs> love every interaction that the main character, her and her mother, have, where the mother is like you absolutely must bring this red dress and you have to wear it when you like show up to the family's house. And she's like, it's an ugly dress. and I don't want to wear it. And she's like, no, 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 no. You have to wear it. <laughs> and then of course they show up and having been like in such a different hierarchy of social status, she wears this ugly dress and her best friend is like, you absolutely should not have worn this dress. Like, this is really embarrassing. Yeah. For it's you, For you. So, okay. So we've talked about like, gaining face okay kind of like an example of gaining face but what about losing face or the 
negative, like Agatha, you said, the detrimental side of trying to keep or maintain face, right? Have Have you ever had like a like a a family sort of interaction? I, I've had two really dramatic ones, both with the same family member. But I'll save mine until after one of you goes, um, if you've got a if you've got one. So I I'll share an, a story because I want to share it to like help figure out how close I am to like how close my understanding of face is to all of yours, having mm -hmm. not like not really having many Chinese roots, mostly Southeast Asian and Vietnamese roots. Um, a couple of years back, my grandmother became very ill and her um, illness progressed and she passed away. Um, so we had, of course, the funerals and we were going with all the rituals and whatnot. One family um, decided that they would not attend certain rituals uh, like funeral rites and whatnot because they had midterms or exams. So they just, you know, didn't respond to anything and then didn't show up. And I'm not part of like the decision making. I'm not one of the elders in the family. But all of a sudden, they don't show up to any other dinners. They're never invited to like other things. And I don't see them at weddings. And I think the connection there to me is absolutely a consequence, a long term consequence of this one decision. Yeah. That ostracization. Yeah. Um, basically, um, if 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 the logic uh, works the same in in, in these uh, in this family in your family as as it is in mine, um, deciding to not show up into uh, to an elder's um, funeral would definitely be a case of the, that person not giving face to the the family that's related directly related to the elder, and then. As a result, they would uh, again, uh, as I was previously saying, long-term repercussions of being ostracized by said family or even um, yeah. extended family from said family because of either ties to the family, want wanting wanting to, well, the ties to uh, extended families wanting to give face to said family who got offended, mm -hmm. or other uh, through through other reasons. Mm. Yeah, that definitely lines up. I have an aunt. It's my dad's my dad's younger sister, and uh, I can think of three things that she, that she's done that I can vividly remember and associate with face. One of them, I was really young, and I will never forget this because it freaked me out. Uh, we were at my grandparents' house eating dinner. It was um, you know my family. Um, her and her husband, and then my uncle and his wife, and then my dad's parents. We were all eating dinner, and we were eating like a like a steamed fish, you know, like the, the classic, right? And she starts choking on a bone, and we're like, and I'm young, I'm like ten years old, and everybody's like, oh my god, she's choking, like we're gonna help her, and she's like, no, 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 and she takes veggies with her chopsticks and starts eating the veggies to try to push the bones down because she didn't want anybody to help her when she was choking and she ran to the bathroom to choke in private she was okay afterwards but i have a very very vivid memory of that and being like why didn't she ask for help and this is the youngest sibling of the youngest of my dad's sibling this same the same family member she also uh her husband my uncle had brain cancer 
um, two, two years ago. And she didn't tell anybody in the family for a year. And we, we were like, why didn't you ask for help? And it's again, this like idea of not wanting to ask for help and to not be obligated to not have this sort of obligation now, now, now that you would owe things to, right? Um, and this idea of feeling strong and being independent. And with that, that family member is the strongest example of face I have ever seen in another person or somebody trying to maintain face in a Chinese person that I, that was born and raised in Canada. Yeah. And like in English, you would say like, oh, that person is very proud, right? Yeah, like they're super very proud. Like users could say like prideful and like in Mandarin, you could say like how means And that's the thing that people would dis use to describe certain people that they care a mm -hmm. lot more about other people's perception of them and like maintaining the, they're like having a lot of good means. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really weird to say these things. Now that, right? now the language around is really weird. Yeah. Right? You have like love Good. face, and then you have the people who have like a thin face, and then the thick face people. Well, yeah. what does it mean when you have a thin face? Uh, it means you. Like get, I have a like, thin face physically, but what, what does it mean to have a like a thin mianzi? I guess like you would be like embarrassed easily, or something I, like I that. Even, actually, is it like I, thick and thin skinned? It's very close. It's very close, close I think. Close. But uh, I would say uh, a person who has uh, who is considered to have thin face might be might uh, perceive themselves losing face easier than mm -hmm. average. Yeah, mm. and a person with a thick face will mm -hmm. oftentimes do things that other people who have thin face won't do, like ask for favors. Like mm -hmm. straight up, someone asking for a favor, you could say to someone, "Oh, you got a thick face, huh?" Yeah. Right. Or like some people were like, I'm not going to like thick my face up to go ask for this thing. Mm -hmm. Like right. that's the best way I can describe that translation. It's like, I'm not yeah. going to thick my face to go ask for this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Yep. I think Steve and I are both just like, whoa. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. Because I, I, I live in a, a situation where most of my business, I mean, a day job is with Western business people. So I get a lot of clout. I get a lot of face. I get a lot of like points whatever you want to call it when I am, I'm overreaching like it because I'm mass presenting when I have this like idea of overreaching uh, it, it's a sign that other people like might tune into, but that kind of overreaching absolutely could be against my favor, depending on the cultural context. I absolutely see that. Like, for example, I would never pay the bill if like my uncle took him over dinner. Like that is just like, that is like horrendous. I would never try to take the bill from like someone who's older than me. Mm hmm. But in Western culture, I 100% take the bill because it's a power play. Because in Western society, you know, I have all these business people, and I've done this before actually, where uh, I'm like, excuse me, I'm going to go use the restroom washroom. And then I use that as an opportunity to go and pay the bill. You go pay the bill. A lot, of, pay a the lot bill. of people do that. Yep. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Every single well, auntie, including my mom, mm -hmm. has have mastered that. Like anytime when it's near the end of the. <laughs> the meal yep. and oh, people start already excusing got themselves to go to the washroom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So but then the drama of everybody excusing themselves and then they're all there trying to pay at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it it is still a power play even in in Chinese uh, culture, right? So because of the fact that it was a power play, um, doing it do, like like 
doing it uh what's it called again um in the open directly standing up going towards the cashier and paying for the bill would be kind of a breach of etiquette so to to give everyone face uh probably that's what informed steve to uh make the excuse of going to the restroom mm-hmm. um because the 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 act of making the excuse of going to the restroom and then paying the bill on the way back was giving everyone else on the table face. Yeah, I feel like sometimes yeah. as the younger person, I should pay um, for for the bill. It depends on the situation, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like, I feel like if it's uh, like someone's, <laughs> like if it's someone's birthday or something, then it would be very good for me to pay for it. It. Mm-hmm. And of course, I have to do it on the down low. Yeah, but to make a show of it is definitely bad for him. Um, so what about what about this example then? What about you um, go out with your parents for dinner, and you're like, I want to pay my pay for dinner for my parents. My parents are like, oh, you know what? We we want to pay. Let us do this, right? You know. But it's always like, no. But I want to pay because I want to take care of you. And I want to do something that you did for me growing up. And I think what's interesting about this is that not just that example, but everything that we've said so far is that you could do this to help other people gain face in addition to you gaining even more face. Yes. yes. And that's the excusing yourself politely, right? Is being like, I'm going to sneak away, but I'm not being like a, a cheat. I'm just not calling you out for not paying. I'm going to yes. go do it. Yes. And so I want to basically tie this into ttrpgs right because Wait, you know things I, were talking oh go ahead Agatha. sorry i thought johnny had like one point oh, I, go ahead, I wanted go ahead, to sorry. say something about the the taking your parents out thing yeah. so the one way i always win that one is i tell them if you don't let me pay that means i'm not taking care of you and therefore i am an unfilial son do you want me to be a non-filial son <laughs> yes, i will take care of you when, be a non-filial son <laughs> that's so right? good and right? like i go straight confusion is back at them it's like huh Take that, but and I feel like it makes them happy though. So yeah. it, it's a that's win, the only win. time I fight for the bill with someone older than me. Yeah, if it's Your my parents. aunt. Nope, no, nope. I'll fight with my parents. My aunts, my uncles. No, nope, no. Nope. I, I, I fall too early. Uh, whenever I offered to pay the bill, and my parents were like, "Yeah, we, we got this," and I, I just fold in. Yeah, you got this. So does Eisen have thin face then? Yeah, I tend to have thin, thin face. I also, <laughs> I also fold very early with my parents, I, or I just fold. I fold in early, general. general. Like yeah. I just feel like it's. It feels so weird to like, even though I understand it conceptually, but like to actually do it feels really difficult for me to like mm-hmm. kind of like fight mm-hmm. jostle for something. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's the concept, then there's the execution, and I, I feel like the execution part. <laughs> high five, if high you five. go and and you look up like Chinese face on like Google, the vast majority of the easily accessible articles are going to be about business and conducting oh, yeah. business yeah. in right. China. Yeah. Um, and talking like when she's always used to in business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like, like what you said, Steve. So one thing that I want to um, kind of tie this back into is the idea of TTRPGs, right? So on our Discord, uh, Epic Impulse said, uh, "Would a broad concept such as face have to be individually defined mechanically for certain types of characters?" So. I think we could potentially situate this within the context of D&D, right? So would a rogue have different face parameters than, say, 
a paladin or a cleric and their connection to their temple or a monk um, or like a barbarian or all of these sort of different professions and classes? Or would face be tied to the background that you have? Oh, I have the soldier background in fifth edition D&D. So I have, you know, a badge indicating my rank. Like, what would you do if you were to try to, if possible, mechanize this? Because, uh, Steve, I don't know if you want to bring this up, because I know that you had it um, saved, the, the honor rules in, in 5e D&D. The honor rules, and, and I unfortunately don't have them in front of me, but the honor rules are actually in the, the Dungeon Master's Guide. And they're an optional rule. And they explicitly say, this is for societies that are, what was it, that, that are Asian-themed societies. Yeah, I, if it helps, I can read out the quote here. I happen to have it in front of me. Not like I've been reading it a lot this week. Uh, <laughs> if you In D&D, the Dungeon Master's Guide, it says the following, honor score. If your campaign involves cultures where a rigid code of honor is part of daily life, consider using the honor score as a means of measuring a character's devotion to that code. This ability fits well in a setting inspired by Asian cultures, such as Karatur. The honor ability is also useful in any campaign that revolves around orders of knights. Uh, I'll, one last paragraph. Honor measures not only a character's devotion to a code, which contradicts the first paragraph, anyways, but also the character's understanding of it. The honor score can also reflect how others perceive a character's honor. A character with a high honor usually has a reputation that others know about, especially those who have high honor scores themselves. And then it goes into, it is a number, like strength or dexterity, that can increase by segments of one. So uh, humanly possible, you can only ever have 20 honor. That is the maximum a human being could possibly have. Um, and then it can just go lower than that with the average honor, then of course being around 10. That zero, that zero. You die. Five. You die. Yeah. You die at yeah. zero honor. Yeah. <laughs> you die at zero. That's, that's the interesting thing that they said about Karatur because they're like, well, Kara, we clearly learned that Karatur is not just China. Karatur is, there's multiple Chinese countries there. There is Sholung and Tulung. There's Wa, Kozakura, which are Japan. There's Bawa, which is like Indonesia. There's and then of course the Al Qadim as well because they talk about honor and Al Qadim, and it's so interesting that they're like, yeah, these really complex things explicitly face because they say that in relation to Sholung and Karatur, that's honor. So I have some thoughts about um, how you can implement uh, the idea of mianzi or like this kind of. Uh, these kind of like social relationships slash power um, negotiations. Um, and actually, this is, uh, I got this from uh, listening to the most recent episode of Plus One Forward, which is a podcast that just talks about Power by the Apocalypse games, where um, it's talking, the this episode is talking about Avatar Legends. And like, there's a move in there called Calling Someone Out. Uh, where you uh, and obviously Daryl, correct me if I got this wrong anyway. Where basically you like, like everyone has like a belief or something, and that there's like a score question mark. Yeah, you have every character has something called balance. Is that ah, what you're talking there about? We go. Yeah. So it's interesting because um, it's not actually something that you pick. Um, each playbook has. Basically, balance is like dramatic pulls. You know how we talked about dramatic pulls in Dungeons and Asians? Um, yeah. 
balance, basically, you are torn between these two kind of opposing things, and you kind of shift your balance between them. Uh, mechanically, it works very much like your stats do in masks, except yes. you have your standard stats in a Powered by the Apocalypse game, plus a balance score that you're constantly shifting using social moves and sort of like combat moves. Yeah, so it's like you can like call out someone to be like, but don't you believe in this? And then you your role to like convince them to do it or to like get them to do it, I guess, is you use their stat, whichever one that you're calling out to roll to like kind of like peer pressure them, right? Yeah. And I feel like that in my mind fits very well with this idea of like means like you have to maintain it. Like this is supposed to be one of the things that you that is like important. I, hmm? I would disagree. Not not in that I think your interpretation of that in Avatar is 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 solid. I would disagree that I think it's a good example of how to do Mianzi. Um because one thing it doesn't take into account and this is a, a question that I want to extend to everyone is if you were to have Mianzi in a game, would it be something that you would highly mechanize? Or would it be something that would be more informally arbitrated by the group? So mm. I compare two things, right? The example that you have, Agatha, and then the idea of um, in masks. What's it called, Agatha? The, the in influence masks. mechanic. Yeah, influence in masks, right? So one thing that I think is really cool about influence in masks is that when we were playing masks for uh, our miniseries for on Asians Represent, way, oh my, it feels like so long ago, um, we had cards and you would actually be collecting them and aggrandizing influence over others. So on one end, I would say, I think Avatar is really neat, but the one thing that it doesn't do based on what we've talked about with Guanxi and Renqing and, and Mianzi is that everything about face is highly contextual, right? Yes, it, which, yes. Is, which is why I think it should be like, it can't be just in my mind. It can't be just one thing. And also in my mind, I don't, I never really think about it as in like, how do we add that onto d and I'm thinking about how do I have a game set in this like very uh, like Chinese world. And then within that, then you have the system because like mm -hmm. also this kind of like the whole means is a system. It's a social system. So, so then I think we'll ahead, like, sorry. so there's the, the means and then also the, influence as like like i think i would integrate both of them because i think one thing that really compelled me when with the culling someone out move is that if if they don't do it then they get a condition and that's that's very much in my mind correlating with like losing face like you're supposed to be like this kind of person but you're just like not doing it like you're supposed to believe in i don't know Feel piety, <laughs> might as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so I feel like that really fits to me, like, because like that's also a way that people like tr pressure other people to do things, and like, um, that I've seen, right? It's like, well, oh, like you're this kind of person, so like, so like I I, I need to get your help in doing this. For example, like, oh, like you're so good at studies, like, uh, why don't you tutor my kid? And then like. Yeah. And then you're kind of like, like you kind of can't say no um, in a way, mm -hmm. or like it, depending on the context, like yeah. 
like some of it is that okay. you 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 sometimes get pressured into doing things that you don't want to because of a means of thing and that's why i think is this is a really good way to to mechanize it because i think the application of means would manifest in different ways and then this is a really good way to like get people to care about it the same way that people who mm -hmm. are in this culture also care a lot about it so and i oh sorry oh sorry no, no go ahead sorry i wanted to counter about the like what if we just do it as this kind of like informal relationship type thing and that's actually a thing that i kept trying to do whenever i ran hearts of wuling which again I love that game um, in terms of the way that it does like the whole melodrama and like those kind of story threads, it does it very well. But at the same time, like when I run for tables of people who are not familiar with the genre or are just like not like, or are not from that kind of background or are familiar with that background, it always like, it always gets really weird because like people just like don't care <laughs> um, about like the kind of like, like they don't care about me and like they don't care about like it's very much like, you know, like individualist society. So like, oh, yeah, like you can think you can think badly of me, but what do I care? Like it's what I it's who I am that is more important, which is like and it's very hard to like get, I think, the essence of like in this case like wuxia stories without having that like really vital cultural element but I, I had no way of enforcing it in a way that would be relevant because there were no mechanics around that right so i feel like it that thing informal structure only works if everyone at the table understands it and i think right. like writing a game you can't, you just like like saying like oh we're gonna assume um knowledge and mastery of a genre is i think not the way to write games which is why again like powered by the apocalypse games like masks this kind of influence mechanic is like getting you in the headspace of like young adults who like really care about and are molded by each other's opinions of them right and it's like you can say like oh yeah like you're young adults and you care about each other but that's not the same as like oh i I lost my influence on this person because they took it away from me at the end of the session, right? Like it's, and then like now when I'm rolling moves to like affect them, I don't get that plus one, you know, like I think yeah. mechanics really inform uh, the way okay. that players view um, the game and they view their relationships. If the mechanics are social mechanics. So I, I, com I completely agree with you. I'm going to add, maybe add one thing. And I want to bring up something that I know Steve has a lot of experience with. Um, uh, it's L5R, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a little bit of experience with it. You yeah. have a little bit of experience, like 40 hours or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, who's counting? Like that, right? Who's counting? Who's counting? Though, right? I know, right? Okay, so you, you mentioned like um, the mechanics. You make a really, really good point. And honestly, like I, I agree with you, Agatha. One thing that I wanted to add is that in the world of Avatar, we've all, have we all watched Avatar or... or Mm -hmm. of, no, Agatha hasn't. Eisen? Yeah, I've watched Steve, like two episodes. Okay, so in the world of Avatar, there are multiple cultures and different nations and in Avatar Legends, they talk about different time periods, right? The three distinct time periods, right? One is more of the sort of the industrial revolution and another is like, you know, the, the 
the Aang era and then the Roku era, the Kyoshi era, sorry, I should say. And um, and I think they do Roku's era as well. Um, but the interesting thing there is that all of the different nations and there are different cultures in Avatar as well. So while you have, there's a really cool mechanic in play there, not every single culture in the world of Avatar deals with social relationships or is portrayed in navigating social relationships the same way. Whereas like the Fire Nation in the Last Airbender is portrayed as like Imperial China, right? So face is very much a part of what, you know, those storylines. But like Aang and the, the, all of the Airbenders and the Waterbenders were like the Earth Nation, which is close to China as well. They're all kind of different. And Agatha, you mentioned something about like, you know, I wouldn't want to add face to D&D because you would run into the same problems that you kind of mentioned with Hearts of Wulin in playing with people who don't know the tropes. And it's that if you add face to D&D, you don't have a world in place that reinforces the social rules of face. But L5R is a good example. I'm not saying it's a good game, but I'm saying L... L5R is a really good example of how they built in social rules and then reinforced that with the lore of the game. And I think that's where it succeeds in what it's trying to do. But it does have like that honor and I think it had like glory and a couple of other things. But they're reinforced by how the characters play out and how things are written. And so if you were to do face, would you then just make an entire setting yeah because hearts of wulun doesn't really have a setting it's kind of like a a book on how to replicate the genre right oh no i think i would still do like uh i don't need there to be actual but this is also like from like we're coming from very different perspectives Mm -hmm. again like i'm coming from like like indie i guess indie gaming also has settings it can but like i think it's totally possible to include that mechanic into, for example, like Hearts of Wulian. It just wasn't, that wasn't a part of like the core thing mm-hmm. that, and also it's, it's not my game. <laughs> so I, <laughs> so right. Like, but if I wanted to write a game that was like, then I would also include that. And I think it is possible because like the setting is already in like this kind of like fantasy wuxia world in China. Right. So like mm-hmm. it's, there is like the cultural majority it you would expect is Chinese. So therefore it's acceptable to have this. And then if you have people from other backgrounds, like in the story, they still have to kind of play to the cultural majority. And that's, that's just how it is um, within with, with cultures in general and societies. So I think it's totally doable. I don't think it needs to be specific. Like I don't need to write out like, like oh this is specifically set in this land of like and i come up with a name for it i don't think that's necessary i think you can do that if you're like writing like a blades like forge in the dark game and that they usually have like names like proper nouns and stuff and maps that's doable but i don't think that's necessary i just think everyone needs to be on the same page in terms of the context Yeah. yeah We we had like two um I won't say they're questions, they're more comments from our patrons on Discord. Uh Kara mentioned the whole thing like, you know, what is face? But, you know, it, it's a familiar concept. I'll like kind of paraphrase what Kara said. It's a familiar concept to people. Um 
And Kara mentioned that it's weird that in games they kind of treat it as something exotic, right? And, and then mm-hmm. Sailor Palavin also mentioned like, you know, the idea of making it unusual again is, is strange, right? The idea of having social relationships and having to mediate them it's strange to make honor or, or face in many cases, this like unique thing to Asia. Yeah. Yeah. People already navigate um, their own social negotiations without defining it as face. Right. I think if you really wanted to mechanize it, you would just need some sort of like microcosmic world building. It doesn't mean need to be that, complicated and you don't need to build the whole world around it you just be like oh yeah. well these organizations have ties and therefore you know when you're in this social interaction one person may or may not be more willing to negotiate or be more willing to like give way to your demands because mm-hmm. of your like you said like because of your background right yeah. like if you're a soldier then maybe in this instance that they're gonna you know defer to you because you have that badge or insignia that shows that you know you're a member of this organization yeah Yeah, oh sorry go ahead oh go ahead i'll go um to to (laughs) go back to uh, my answer to epic's uh, question i don't think you can do it uh, for a certain type of character Uh, to me i i feel i honestly feel like uh, face uh, is tied to the individual person and their upbringing I, i at the best, you can you, you tie them to the background. Backgrounds, yeah. Don't tie them to the type of catcher, aka don't tie them to the class. Yeah. On the other yeah, hand, yeah, I think for sure. I, I was contemplating on how, if it is possible to make a nice face, um, I was thinking in more of a Forge in the Dark uh, because I like that system more, a little bit more. Um, but in Fortune of the Dark, when you wrote when you wrote an action, there you had to set up uh, two things. The um, effect is is basically if you succeed, how well do you succeed? And then there's the the risk. Uh, sorry, the position. Are you are you in a risky position? Are you in a um, not perilous? I forgot the the actual term. But if you are in a worse position than risky, or are you? absolutely in a controlled position. So I was thinking there might, there can potentially be a uh, playbook move called give me, uh, uh, sell me some face. Basically saying that um, asking an NPC or asking the target to sell some face to do a favor. And then the GM and the player can start negotiating um, how much um, the current situation uh, Say, 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 I, I was trying to stop two people from fighting and then telling those two to sell me some face. And the GM can probably set up this, and I, as the player, can negotiate with the GM to, to, to uh, establish how, one, if the role succeeds, how well does it succeed? Do the two people immediately say, okay, cool, I'm going to sell you the face, your, your face. I, it's, it's not worth it anyway. Or, if you critically succeed, it would be, oh right, we're we're idiots. I'm sorry. Or if you fail, then you know you're you're going to be ignored. And then the position wise, uh, the asking asking people to sell some face also has its own risks. So if you're in a control position, then yeah, uh, nothing of uh, nothing of 
nothing of matter would be will be harmed. But if you're in a perilous position, I need to remember what the term was uh, in, in the book. But if you're in a perilous position, then even asking the two to sell you some face loses you face already. But that's not a that's not a mm-hmm. numerical value that is tied mm-hmm. to your player character. It's just yeah. the situation makes it perilous for your character. Yeah. Yeah. I. Oh, go ahead. I was. Gonna, I. I agree with the the background thing because you don't even need, and the. I think the interesting thing is you don't even need to be, in a specific background to benefit from someone's, like, face. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. You could just be with them. So I want to like tie this into that one thing that someone asked about Word of Honor, because in Word of Honor, there's actually a pretty good example about this. Um, yeah, Bai, there's going to be minor spoilers here, right? So yeah, Bai is a character. I take my there. headphones He's... off. Hold up. I'm not done the series. Just wait, okay, wait so... when you're done. <laughs> so yeah, Bai is a very well-respected character. He knows one of the other characters, Zhou Zisu, and he has said he is going to go kill... The other character, Wen Keqing, right? But yeah, but he never actually does it because he's giving Zhou Zisu mianzi because Zhou Zisu reasons, magical reasons. No, not spoiling that. But yet one character doesn't kill another character because of someone Am in I between good? them. Am I good? I think you're good. Okay. Now. Okay. I'm good. Okay. Cool. Yeah, you're good. So that I think is like another way how this mechanic can play in to other players who aren't really buying into it. They'll see it's like, oh, wait, that person, they get this benefit or this thing happens with this. It's oh like, oh, gosh. that's cool. This is like, I'm I'm really, I like this a lot. And I'm now I'm just, like, now that we're talking about Forge in the Dark Games, I'm just thinking about instead of the stress mechanic, it's Mianzi. So then, like, but instead of, oh. like, it, it, like, you filling it up, it's instead, it's filled at the beginning and then you keep losing it. Um, I actually do not like uh, num- having a numeric value to. to, to I understand that, but I think what is really good is if you reach the thing is with that kind of like the bar thing, you can there are ways to like move that around. That is like that I feel like you can mechanize, and so it's not necessarily that it's just the numbers. And also like when you when you lose all the way, so instead of the trauma, like with the stress bar, it's like you get like a bad reputation at, with yeah. a specific descriptor on it. Mm-hmm. Like like thing, you're the kind of person who's untrustworthy or like- one thing I, Sorry. One okay. thing I was uh, brainstorming was that uh, the, the, the men's move, sell me, your, sell, me your, uh, sell me some face move. Uh, I was actually thinking of wagering your, your, your stress bar. Uh, it's still yeah. in Forging the Dark. As in, if you do succeed, you 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 de-stress a little bit, like you, you take one Ooh, stress yeah. off. Or if you fail, you gain two stress. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's oh. how I would tie it to you, a numerical value. But so, if you were to just call that me, oh, that's true. I mean, no, I understand. Like your kind of like, I think I also respect that like mm-hmm. design idea to be like I don't want to make it into a number, which makes sense because. In essence, it's not tangible, and nobody yeah. thinks about it that way. But I do think that if it's in a game, and a game has a lot of numbers, that's fair. Like you... mechanically, it ends up having a similar effect in my mind. I mean, I, I'm not playtesting; I'm just brainstorming. There's also like pluses and negatives too, right? Like you yeah. might, like your means, it might actually be good for some organizations, and might be really bad for some organizations. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Say, so that's example, why that's why like... mechanizing it is difficult, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
like as the answer is it depends it's right so what so, so what if, depends. Oh, no i want to hear steve sorry so I've, I've been mulling on it. i've been thinking i've been like really like crunching you've been seeing my face like scrunch up so here's my micro rpg pitch so i don't so as far as mechanizing goes i think in D, don't mechanize it i think it's a fool's errand i truly do think it is Agreed. i think tying it to background you're getting closer but you miss the nuance of like your background within the context of a specific scene is what matters so if you're like oh if you're a sailor you know here are the things you need to know about face Mm-mm, there's more to that uh it depends on who you're meeting who's with you who you represent who you don't represent who you hate things like that so here's my micro rpg it's called can we just eat already what you do is you have a big old whiteboard and we are players so it's gmless we all sit down the goal is we need to eat a meal together and what we do is every single person who describes something, any player can interrupt with like, wait a minute, I heard about this before. And then they can take a post-it note and put it on the whiteboard and describe another story where someone did something and either they gain face or didn't gain face. And they talk about those repercussions. And the idea is at the end of the game, you have a whiteboard that is full of these like sticky notes that all talk about all these various stories of things that happened or maybe things that could have happened. And the goal is, can we just detangle ourselves from these enough that we can finally just sit down and have a meal together. And I like that for me, because personally, I find the idea of face to be both beautiful, complex, and also very simple in that you just kind of do what other people did and you should be fine. And I feel like it touches all of those in a way that doesn't me- mechanicize, me- put numbers mechanize. on it, put numbers against it in a way that like feels cheapened but also allows you to have the nuance to tell stories and to dive into your personal experience as much as you can. Or if you don't have personal experiences with it, you absolutely can like see the stories that other people are telling and say, you know what, I'm going to take a dive into it. I'm going to tell a different story and see if it kind of like matches up. And because it's a fantasy game that doesn't have any bearing whatsoever on like what kind of meal, what kind of players you are, that has no assumptions as to what the fantasy is, that it's valid. And then other players who are like, I've never heard of that story before. They now need to marry that up with whatever concepts they have of face. And that's going to spiral out and create this big web, this tree of stories. All blocking you from having something to eat. That's Steve, really cool. You need to put this on itch.io. Yeah, just write it up, please. <laughs> so here, okay, so I wanna go. I wanna I wanna build on top of the things all of y'all have said. So in terms of like the D background thing, I think that's the really, if you wanted to do it, the only place where you can put them. One thing I think about with um you know, Pathfinder Second Edition. Have any of you read it or played it? So I'm, I'm they, aware, put, yeah. they put <laughs> they put role play cues in it for the classes, and they kind of tell you what you can do. What you could do on the backgrounds is the backgrounds themselves are like there isn't really too much there. But imagine if the Fifth Edition Player's Handbook, if each background was an entire page, and not only could you put bonds, flaws, personality traits, all that stuff. But you could put ways in which you can gain face, situations in which you can like things that are advantageous for you, things that you want to do, things that you want to look out for, or things that may cause you to lose face as a sailor, as a soldier, things like that could be a really interesting way to kind of make the backgrounds more interesting. Because a lot of people go like, I for one do this is like, I'll pick a background because I want the particular feature. I want the particular ability that you get with it. And then you're basically... You're, you're, that's it. That's kind of the extent to which you engage with your background. So it might be cool to you know add literal prompts that are purely role-playing prompts 
on how to play as a soldier. So then now that you have these things, hey, I'm a soldier, but I've also got I'm a class. My class is that I'm a rogue. So how do how do these things kind of clash? Right. Could be really cool. Um, I was going to make a word of honor reference, but I'm not going to. Um, I took I took, the, I took all seven nails, but I did it over a long period. Sorry. Um, anyways, we should watch we should watch Word of Honor in the server. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Watch an episode. Um, I I wanted to but, add. Oh, sorry. Oh no no! I, I was I was going to add one other thing. Another potential sort of like game that might involve face is the dim sum LARP, and it's all about taking face away from people. Oh. Yeah, I'm thinking about it now. Yeah. Because it's about insulting people. And that that in itself is taking away face from people very subtly. Yeah. But anyways, Agatha, what were you gonna say? Um I kind of wanted to go go back to what what I was I, what I was trying to say. I I have now um clarified my thoughts in a way that I think makes more sense. The reason why I was saying that I wouldn't do it for D&D is not actually because it's mechanically impossible, but it's because the the cultural expectation of going to play a D&D game is that you are going to play like it's your your own power fantasy generally. Like I mean, yes, you're in a party together, but it's all about like my story as Mm -hmm. like i'm a hero and so it's very that's the thing that is kind of hard to like have like you either everyone buys into the whole social structure or no one does um because it doesn't work in terms of like Mm -hmm. the power negotiation unless other people are also negotiating for the same power right because so it's like if if one person has like that kind of a background, um, and then maybe they're uh, they're from character, I don't know, um, and someone else is not, then it's just like they're like going really hard, like role playing this and and like like trying to like hold on to their means, and someone else is just like yeah, like I don't care, I'm going into this town and like slaughtering everyone. I'm not saying that everyone plays D and D like that. I know that most people don't. Well, I know that a lot of people don't. Um, and then that is like, that's just like, you, you, the other, then that's like, it, it means that the other person's mechanics, whatever it is that they were trying to do has no meaning um, because it has no like actual um, mechanical repercussions. Uh, but I do think that if it was a setting written for D and D where like, like Daniel, what you said about the whole like backgrounds, like, and like, and also, I mean, eyes on what you said, but like, and then you match it up and like, and stuff like that. And everyone has something different, but everyone is still coming from the same context because you're playing in the same setting. Then I think it could work. So everyone has to be on board in the way in which relationships are navigated. But the way, the way that you but get then everybody is navigating those things. Mechanics. Yeah. Yep. True. I think what we're trying to say is that this is a really complicated thing. And to circle back, <laughs> you know, to, to circle back to what we were saying earlier is like, can you reduce these things into a generic rule for Asian honor? And I think the answer is no. No, way too complicated. <laughs> it's, it's nuanced. It's, it's, or at least I, I think in a way where everybody's like, all Asian people approach honor the same way. 
think we could say that. If, if, if I can, I think in chat, a lot of people try to connect the idea of like face with Southern hospitality. And I would posit you also cannot mechanize Southern hospitality in D&D mm. either. I think it's too complex. Yeah. Um, I think you can get close. I think you can start introducing certain mechanics and whatnot to like allude to it. Um, but at the end of the day, you're going to create something that is not super like accurate. But what we need to account for here is also the intersection of uh, racism and um, privilege and all that good stuff that we love talking about. Because uh, it's one thing to talk about Southern hospitality if you are telling uh, white stories. And it's a different thing if you're talking about face and you're telling Asian stories. Yeah. And and it's also a different thing say, if you're talking about Southern hospitality and you're talking about black stories, right? Like That's a very, very good point. It's mm-hmm. incredibly important as well, yeah. But you also say Asian stories, but because we're talking about face from a Chinese, Chinese setting, viewpoint, yeah. mm-hmm. Chinese mm-hmm. people, that's also different, right? Because mm-hmm. social relationships in like, I already know that we've got an episode on Japan lined up because a lot of, you know, RPGs say honor and Bushido completely <sighs> different, right? And we're going to talk about this whole Bushido <laughs> thing. Like it's, if you want to join us, Eisen, you're more than welcome to join us. Uh, I haven't really played the L5R enough to tell. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're already going to do an episode on honor in you know japan and the, these ideas of honor these artificial ideas of honor like bushido and the the implications of you know our perceptions of of how social relationships are mediated there uh we're also we've also got one set up on like south asia as well but there's also a lot of nuance in there because there are multiple countries and different religions and things like that too yeah the um, south asian one actually I'm i have I'm going to talk to you about that after. Do you have people who you want to bring on? Yeah, I have someone in mind. Done, done. Because I have one person we could bring. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, So I I think that this is why we need to have these long form and nuanced discussions about this very cultural specific, culturally specific incarnation of how social relationships are mediated. Because we could do a whole episode on Southern hospitality. We could do a whole episode on Mianzi whatever we want to say in Japan, because I don't want to say Bushido because everybody's going to be like, Daniel said all Japanese people practice Bushido. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But that's what many games imply, right? That's what many games like L5R imply. Because in L5R, they're like, Bushido is religion. And that's a whole other conversation to have, right? Um, And, you know, like, speaking of conversations, you know what, like, even though our episode is wrapping up, that doesn't mean that the conversation about Mianzi and honor and you know how Asian cultures are portrayed in TTRPGs has to end, right? I encourage you to you know join us on Discord, and the best place to you know kind of join in the conversation is on Patreon. Um, join us on Patreon because we uh, you know, this is how you kind of help us shape future content for Asians represent. Do you want us, do you want our next, oh, well, our next episode is already set because it's going to be about Avatar. But <laughs> do you want the episode after that to be about Bushido and this idea of honor in like Japan? Do you want our next episode to have Agatha's mysterious potential guest to talk about South Asia? Um, is our next episode going to be about Wuxia? Because Oh, I would love to talk about that. I can go all day about that. Okay, I mean, if okay, okay, well, okay, we might have one of Steve, Agatha, and I. One of us might have to bow. Out. I might bow out to let Agatha lead this one because 
Yilin is going to come back on Asians Represent. We're nice. already talking. And Yilin is actually asking two people who are also martial artists to weigh in on Wuxia. <gasps> Yo, so, but Daniel, I feel like you're getting really into it now. So maybe I but, but here's the thing. Maybe I selfishly don't want to participate in that episode because I just want to take notes. <laughs> ah, fair. Oh, okay. Maybe I just want to, maybe I just want to sure. take notes. Um, but also, I think like Agatha, that's your jam. You crushed. You crushed the last Wuxia episode we did. So... I think it's it's only right for you to crush the next one. So that said, folks, folks on Patreon can help us decide what our next episode is going to be. Um, our patrons were the ones who decided that Mienza was going to be uh, this episode. Uh, we are also seven patrons away, seven patrons away of our most dangerous show ever. Truly Bubble deadly. Tea Book Club. Truly, truly deadly. Bubble Tea Book Club. Seven patrons away. Once we hit 50 patrons of any tier, of any tier, we will be able to do Bubble Tea Book Club, a show where we buy an indie TTRPG, drink bubble tea, or if you're on the West Coast, boba, or whatever you want to say. But we also know what boba means because Agatha taught us what that implies. You did? Yeah, of course Agatha taught us. Steve and I were just like, Steve and I were like, what? That's I, what it means. Every every time I meet someone who like I can actually have a conversation with and isn't just like a very distant acquaintance, and they say the word boba, I'm like, I feel the urge rise in me to explain it to them, it. and then I love at what their it expression. means. Okay, so Agatha, since like since nobody else here, maybe some people who are watching this or listening don't know what boba means. Can you can you do you want to just? Oh my gosh, no! Them? I want Johnny. I want you, Johnny. To you had that reaction, <laughs> Johnny. Do you want to? Uh, Boba is basically big titties. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, rumor has it that uh, some vendor in Taiwan was a real big fan of a um adult film actress, Amy Yip or something. Oh wait, and really? Yeah, Yo, this is even it, deeper than the lore. Yeah. For look me. it up. Look it up on uh, Wikipedia. It's actually like been documented. Like he was a big fan of her and uh, decided to brand his bubble <laughs> tea as it up. Boba. So. That's where it came Damn. from. But that that's it. We are seven patrons away from having Bubble Tea Book Club as a reality. We're our most dangerous show yet where we drink bubble tea, buy an indie TTRPG, sit down with an artist and a designer or a writer, and we compliment the fuck out of another Asian person's work. That's if, what our show is going to be about. Once a month. If we if if we survive. If we'll have, survives. If Steve survives, we'll have... <laughs> I'll even make the overlay. Thanks, I'll make... I'll make the border around Steve's <laughs> webcam like red and I'll put like a Steve watch or something like that. Uh, we'll make Steve. shirts and everything. <laughs> um, that's where the budget is going. That's where the budget's going. <laughs> yeah, a small print run. We're going to pay and pay. Well, we also need to you know, get a logo and everything like that. Um, so really excited. Seven patrons away. It doesn't matter what tier. As long as we hit 50 patrons total, Bubble Tea Book Club becomes a thing. When we hit, it's going to, Agatha and I are talking about potentially changing it but it's either going to be 100 patrons or 150 patrons we'll do an entire wuxia series called dungeons and asians revenge of the mountain orchid agatha i already wrote the setting i'm so hyped so hyped that said we have some patrons to thank um i have she's super mad oh marla's really mad yeah yeah sarah's gonna squeeze in um but I want to thank our Guardians of the Realm, our Guardian patrons, Brooke Bright, Pixel Grotto, Daisy May, thank you. And then our most honorable patrons, Marla is right here. Marla is, Marla, right, right, this one. There's Marla. 
Oh, Marla, I love you so much. She does not love me. I'm losing face with Marla right now. She, uh, she but gives thank you, you zero face. She Marla's gives me zero face. face at all. Hey, Marla. But uh, thank Bye. you to uh, our most honorable patrons, Ryan the Wizard Hall, Metal Weave Games. Love you, Andreas. Uh, Valorous Games. Love you, Liana. Can't wait to do Carrot Tour tomorrow. Uh, Dungeon Glitch slash Matt and... I'm supposed to say this, the most honorable, two times, the most honorable Epic Impulse. Thank you so much for your patronage. It means a lot. It's it, it helps us make Asians represent a reality. And we are so happy to be back. Aizen, Johnny, thank you for joining us. Excited to like let's have you back. Let's let's do this again. Let's do this oh, yeah. again. For sure. It was fun. Let's let's talk. Let's talk. We'll we'll figure out a topic. We'll get you into our um, podcast guest section of the Discord so we can all coordinate and do some do some cool shit. Um, Thank you for joining us. Stick around, everyone, because we are going uh, to raid another channel. Uh, Really glad that we started doing that, and we've made this a regular thing. Let's keep it up. So stick around. Steve's already picked someone. I'm excited to see what that is. Um, We'll see y'all next time on Asians Represent. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.